you are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson. Because democracy doesn't just happen. Hey, welcome back to 101.9 High FM. I'm chatting today with uh, Karen Herodine. Um, and we, if for those who are regular listeners, you wouldn't, we would remember that I chatted to her last week, and it was an incredible chat. If you, if you don't uh, remember it, doesn't matter. You can catch up with the podcast, which is available on Spotify and on our website. And on that note, hello, Karen. How are you? Hi, Rob. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Oh, always good. And if I'm not good, I pretend to be good. <laughs> That's <laughs> the best way to be. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's great to have thank you on again. You. Thank you very much for asking me to come back. I appreciate it. Oh, no, I'm sure our listeners appreciate it far more than I do. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I do appreciate it too. And last week we had a fantastic chat. We really did. And it, it really went down well with the listeners and and I'm myself so as well. It was lovely, <laughs> lovely. Uh, for those who, who didn't actually uh, listen or who missed that show, just a brief, brief catch up on, on who Karen is, uh, Karen is. Why don't you just tell us who, who you are, where you've been around the world, your many experiences <laughs> and so on. It's a fantastic story. Let them know. Thank you. Well, I'm South African originally. I left South Africa in my late 20s and emigrated to the UK. Um, I did a master's at Wits University, but studied my undergrad and honours at Rhodes. I then uh, lived in London uh, doing lots of demeaning jobs <laughs> until I met my husband. And we have been uh, mainly based in England, but spent a, a, a while in Singapore for his work and in Canada, and came back a couple of years ago to the UK, just in time for the debacle over COVID. Um, I work as a writer. <clears throat> I write mainly on politics and culture wars and geopolitical uh, analysis. And yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's certainly. I think you you write definitely on the right topics, given given your wealth of experience and travels and and Thank many destinations you. you've lived in. And I've read Thank some of your articles; they are absolutely fantastic. Your over two hundred and fifty articles is is quite something, I must Thank say. Thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate that. <laughs> uh, no problem. But I mean, last week we had a great chat. It might have been a bit controversial for some, but I think it was. <laughs> definitely some things that needed to be said. I'd like to con continue uh, on that, perhaps in a slightly different direction, but sure. on the on the main topic there of government overreach and mm. authoritarianism and mm. does democracy still exist? In, in your opinion, does it still exist? No, because, um, you know, there are various loose definitions of democracy and I find it easier to kind of say what democracy isn't and democracy isn't an absolute obliteration of human rights, as we've seen through many Western countries and other countries. But traditionally, Western countries uh, have had democracies, uh, human rights enshrined, etc. What has happened now is those have been completely obliterated in the name of COVID. Democracy isn't a bunch of politicians governing the minutiae of your life. When a 
government says that they're doing this to keep you safe or to protect you, it rings alarm bells in my head. That's infantilization, which is quite dangerous, where instead of you being treated like an adult by the state, you're treated as a child who has to give everything up to big mommy and daddy state government in order to be protected. We've seen this with fascism. We've seen this with socialism. We see this in theocracies like Iran, where everything that you do is governed by politicians. Whether And we saw this in lockdown, in the, the abhorrent lockdowns, where how often you could leave your home, when you could see your loved ones, when you could go to a dentist. We've seen this with the vaccine mandates. This is not what democracies do. We have a as a shadows left of a democracy and the telling will be in future general elections how they will happen whether you have to be vaccinated or not to vote whether you will be allowed to vote ever again or will countries keep a continual state of emergency in the name of covid or even climate change to stop the voting process democracy is dead in the west in most western countries and it is a travesty Oh, that that breaks my heart. But then, yeah. oh, it's it, it really is. I mean, I, I, in the intro, I was, I was reading about the United Nations definition of of democracy, which mm-hmm. sounds sounds absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. if it if it was in fact carried out as 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 they yeah. say it is or claim or claim it to be. Um, I, I mean, we just have to look at uh, countries like Canada right now yeah. with the massive Awful. massive rebellion that's ha- happening there. Or is it a rebellion? I don't know. Is it people standing up for their democracy? The 60,000 truckers in in a 70-mile-long convoy heading towards the capital city, is are they uh, rebellions? Are, are they? I, is it a revolution? Or are they just normal Canadians? I think a lot of Canadians, well, not a lot, but those Canadians have had enough. I mean, bearing in mind, it's the working classes that have taken the brunt of lockdown and vaccine mandates. You know, for example, here in the UK, you know, a lot of health workers have lost their jobs because of the imposed vaccine mandates in care homes, etc. Going back to Canada, I would say it is a rebellion of sorts. I welcome it better late than never. I mean, these people have been treated terribly and I'm so glad that they are uprising against what is, is actual tyranny in Canada. It's abhorrent. I mean, democracy is always flawed. Human beings are flawed. So everything that we do will be flawed. But it's the best option that we have. And with democracy comes freedom. If you have no freedom to live your life within a normal way, i.e., you want to go out to the hairdresser, but you have to be vaccinated to be able to do that. That is not normal. You wanted to go overseas for a nice holiday, but you have to take a zillion tests. That is not normal. When freedom is eroded, so is democracy. When democracy is eroded, so is freedom. And these truckers are fantastic. I am fully on board with them, and I'm so grateful that they're rising up. Yeah, I think I think we all are, and we can. The amount of support that uh, that they're mm-hmm. getting from around the world is is testament to, to that. It is absolutely incredible. I've heard of um, uh, trackers coming from from the U.S. to in, in support, and from 
from Mexico and in in Europe as well. We've yes, seen truckers doing their own convoys. It's it's absolutely it's wonderful. Fantastic. It's wonderful to see, and I think it's about time people have to realize that. You know, if you sacrifice your life to tyranny, your well-being, your life to tyranny in the name of a virus with a low mortality rate, something is very, very wrong. And it's about time people rose up to the tyrants that are imposing this onto us. Yes, exactly. But you have to you have to question how did these tyrants get into power in the first place? Yeah. Yeah, a complacency. I mean, you know, tribal voting. For example, here in the UK, you know, you have both Labour and Conservative, and people will go, well, my grandmother voted Labour, so I always do. Or, oh, I'm a Tory, so I'll always vote Tory, no matter how corrupt either of the politicians are in either parties. It's unthinking complacency. So you, and also the system as well, you know, you get these kind of university graduates who have no experience of the real world go straight from uni to doing uh, an assistant job for an MP belonging to whatever particular party they are in. Then they get elected to stand as an MP and there you go. So you have hundreds of people in parliament with no clue what life is like for the ordinary purple person. Uh, and the more they are in that elitist political bubble, the more out of touch they are with the ordinary person. And they get a good salary as well. They don't know what it's like to struggle. So I would say that the system itself is somewhat skewed. I wouldn't call it corrupt, but skewed in the favor of those who are good party members. And as well as the fact that people just vote, oh, uh, I'm Labour, so I'll always vote Labour. I'm Conservative, so I'll always vote Conservative. And I suspect in most democracies around the world, like we see in the UK and in Canada, there's a similar sort of thinking that's going on. They're stuck in a rut. And you get these venal, depraved dimwits, really, being voted into Parliament. And as a result, we see the huge mess that is happening not only in the UK, but in Canada, the US, and other democracies around the world. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you used the word dimwit there because Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean we have to look at look at old Boris Johnson and think, oh, wow, word. you know what is going on? He started off, I must say, you know, with, with great promise and hope, and thought that oh, this is getting really really good, and he's going to shape shake up the the institution. And then it all fell apart, really. Well, I was never a fan of Boris Johnson. I, I never kind of championed him, but he was much better, obviously, than Corbyn and Labour. And I was so relieved because of Labour's history of anti-Semitism. I was so happy when the Tories won the election um, a couple of years ago. But my word, what a mess. What a waste of an 80-plus majority the Tories have done to this country. They have been an absolute diabolical travesty. And it's worse coming from them because they promised so much, because they were going to get Brexit done, because they were going to, you know, really make Britain prosper. They have destroyed it, cheered on, of course, by Labour and the rest of the depraved lunatics in Parliament. But it's, I mean, I, I, to be quite frank, I don't care that Boris had a party during lockdown. That's not the point. The point is that these demented, authoritarian, CCP-style 
bros of lockdown that have got absolutely nothing to do with disease control should ever have been implemented. The more people argue about Partygate and did Boris Johnson eat birthday cake or not, the more it drives me mad because it's so not the point. Absolutely, and I have to agree with you 100% on that. That's, you know, there's, there's a lot of arguments around um, tax the rich, and it's the same argument that they're yeah. seeing right here. No, yeah. don't don't tax the rich. No. Look look to the rich and see how they avoid paying tax. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We should be doing the same. It's 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 crazy. We we've been so conditioned to to reverse our, our way of thinking when it comes to arguments like that. Yeah, we impose the lockdown restrictions on on Boris Johnson and his cabinet. Mm, yeah. No, remove them from everyone. They're leading the way. Let's follow suit, and they have done that, haven't they? Exactly. I mean, the thing is, is that I watch people argue about the minutia of lockdown and whether this rule applied here or that rule applied then. I'm thinking it's like watching Nero fiddle while Rome burns. It is a distraction from what really is going on. And the mainstream media just hop onto it and people follow. People just follow that discourse unthinkingly and it just means that the real issue, i.e. that lockdown should never have been imposed, gets forgotten in the narrative. Yeah, that absolutely does. But have have they completely lifted all the restrictions? Or no. No, not at no, all. I mean, they're still like, you know, they've lifted some in England. I would say not all of them have been lifted because... I mean, maybe most of them, but you still have to have, you know, a vaccine to travel or take millions of those ridiculous tests in order to travel outside the country. This is not a normal state of affairs. I mean, thank God in England, we're much better off than Wales, Northern Ireland and Scotland, where they are just gone into total medical tyranny. But, you know, the way that uh, the government here has said about lifting plan b the ridiculous plan b and the vaccine that uh, mandates for healthcare and national health service workers they've sort of said it in a way with a veiled threat i.e well we're doing it now but if something worse comes along we'll have to readdress this which means uh-huh. if they can take advantage of another mild variant in quotation marks and go oh look we're all going to die let's impose vaccine mandates straight away onto healthcare workers i don't trust them an inch of course it always comes with the care ah. doesn't it yeah. yeah that's that does seem to be to be the way and I don't know if he, if oh, Johnson just re, uh, uh, released the the mandate and the restrictions simply to regain regain public uh, trust and faith and I don't know. And I then think- I I have a strong suspicion that should anything, no matter how minor it is, yes, resurface, those restrictions are going to come back. I, I mean, in South Africa, yeah. we've actually seen. Um, the same. South Africa tends to yeah. follow the UK you know, exactly slowly, but exactly. same things happening here. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the things that I said in one of the first lockdown pieces that I wrote. That you know, the middle classes in the UK have been phenomenally selfish in wanting to have lockdown restrictions. They don't realise that countries like South Africa do follow the UK, and so South Africa followed the UK and other you know, countries in Europe and locked down and decimated millions of people's livelihoods, health, 
lives, etc., by doing so. So when you have the middle classes here in the UK and the lockdowns, you it's screaming for more lockdowns to keep them safe. It's the height, the epitome of selfishness because South Africa always follows what the UK does. It, it is, is anti-human and diabolical. In fact, to me, lockdowns are a crime against humanity. And I would say as well, you know, uh, there has been a lot of protests here by uh, NHS workers themselves and those of us who support them against, the, you know, the vaccine mandates. The Tories don't want to go down as the country that destroyed, sorry, as the party that destroyed the health service in this country. But I don't trust them. The other thing they're trying to sneak in through the back door is a new Bill of Rights, which I was just looking at this morning with a friend on uh, Twitter pointed out to me, that they're planning to imprison people who send nasty, abusive messages on social media. If this doesn't send chills down people's spines, I don't know what will. This is not a democracy. Wow. That, that yeah. is quite Very bad. Changing the Bill of Rights. Yeah, I also saw yeah. that, and that's very concerning. Luckily, there is a, a public participation uh, event happening or, or, or opportunity there. So the public can actually put their, their say in yes. and, and pass that on to, to Parliament. But will will they listen at the at the end of the day? Uh, do, do they have to knows? listen? No, they don't, they're drunk on power. They've been drunk on power for two years now. The same thing in South Africa, I am sure. The same thing in Canada. These are tyrants now. These are wannabe fascists who have seized power, performed a coup against their own people, and they are not going to let go. They are soon. Yeah. They definitely aren't, and no. we know that for sure. Once they've had a, a taste of this uh, yes. ultimate power, they. Uh, you got to wonder: Did they start off like this? Did, were they democratic <laughs> just to order? Were they just um, closet socialists or closet communists? We don't know. We don't know. I mean, it's the same thing about people like you know wanting the unvaccinated to suffer and pay for not being vaccinated, etc. You know, it seems like a lot of humanity has turned into wannabe fascists in the last two years. But we see it with history. We mm. saw it with the Shoah. You know how many millions of Germans turned a blind eye and or openly persecuted us Jews. I, I mean, it's, it doesn't give a good impression of humanity, does it? And humanity has regressed so much in the last two years. I was struck by this. By I had a recent piece published in TCW about the rise of, of the Islamic State. And, ne and before, I mean, I've written on something like this for a while, a long time. And before prior to 2020 i would post my pieces up and not put any proviso like i had to with this one where i said please uh, twitter followers please don't put any anti-semitism anti-muslim bigotry or stupid conspiracy theories underneath because i'll just block you and i thought to myself and i actually said this it's so depressing that prior to 2020 i never had to do that Humanity has regressed so badly into the squabbling, horrible mess over the last two years. I hope our overlords are proud of themselves of what they've done to people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure they are. They're, they're astounded at, at how quickly it, the changes Astounding. actually happen, happen yeah. for them. But, you know, it's it's always good and it's 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 great and it's controlled by by credible credible news news people or journalists like, such yes. as such as yourself you are listening to dear parliament with rob hutchinson because democracy doesn't just happen
<laughs> Never a true word spoken. Democracy doesn't just happen. It certainly does require hard work and const yes. constant input, doesn't it, Karen? Yeah. Yes. So on, on that note, I mean, democracy is really based on trust. And yes. the media are the... I don't know, the pushes of, of that trust. You, they convey government's message, they question government, yeah. um, they tell us the truth, and so on. Or, or so they used to. I don't yeah. think they do so much anymore. <laughs> yeah. they, have, they have failed in their duty of, as journalists over the last two years. They have been abhorrent. Not all of them, but I'd say the majority of them. I mean, certainly our state broadcast, the BBC, which has a long history of failing in everything um, has been absolutely abhorrent and so have the mainstream newspapers uh, you know the one thing about democracy and it's the one thing that I always say about it is that it always teaches at a cliff edge if you don't guard against you know against it falling it will plummet to the bottom basically and that is what it's done and the mainstream media have asked all the wrong questions have screamed for lockdowns and vaccine mandates and have totally demonized the unvaccinated. And, you know, uh, some of them are actually sponsored by my nemesis, the Gates Foundation, including the anti-Semitic BBC and the anti-Semitic Guardian. Uh, this is something I've written on for TCW, all the information, the evidence, as I always go on evidence, is in my writings on how the Gates Foundation funds these appalling websites, appalling media outlets. You, you know, it's been absolutely abhorrent to watch what I once thought intelligent journalists shriek for the most appalling human rights violations, basically bully the government into imposing them, which, you know, is not... I'm not trying to say that it wasn't the government's fault, but the government is so weak here that, you know, and I imagine in South Africa as well, that they allowed themselves to be bullied, as well as the other monster in the corner, the CCP, which has, has malign influence over many governments. So instead of questioning why on earth are democracies taking on an authoritarian tool of control promoted by the Chinese Communist Party, implemented by this abhorrent regime in their own country uh, and the anti-Semitic compromised World Health Organization, who also suggested lockdowns. Why are Western governments doing that? Those are the questions that should have been asked rather than these so-called journalists, I call them activists now, is screaming at governments to impose the CCP style of authoritarian control. This is not what normal journalists should do. They should be questioning the actual harm, not acting as shills for a foreign state, not acting as PR agents for the government, as well as the fact that never in the history of the world has a virus ever needed such a PR campaign and such a propaganda campaign. That should send alarm bells ringing in everyone's ears. <laughs> it should, but it hasn't. And that, I know. That's, that's rather disturbing. It really, it really is. Yeah, I think it's, you, you, you touch on a great point there, and that is the 
uh, outside influence or unseen yeah. influence yes. that wealthy individuals, the billionaires across the world with vested interest yeah. have had yeah. on once credible institutions. The public has, has come to trust such, such institutions and in South Africa, it, it's it's clearly, clearly obvious. Um, there's a major news outlet, which you know, we used to trust um, and we used to get credible news from. Yeah. And then it turns out that they have been funded to the tune of billions of rand yeah. by, by so, the Gates yeah. Foundation. But not only yeah. the media, it is also um, our health authorities in South yeah. Africa, SAPRA and so on, which yeah. are almost wholly funded by by a private individual with vested interests and financial yeah. interests. And Same here. No, something, no, nobody yeah. raises these points and, and no one seems to get through it. I was shocked. Like in last year, last April, May, when I wrote my pieces on the malign influence of the Gates Foundation on British scientific institutions, how few people cared. I mean, this is sheer malign corruption. How can people not care about this? I mean, you know, it's my fellow Jews as well. I'm thinking, you know, history shows that we should never trust state institutions. We know this from our history. Why on earth are people doing that now? Surely we, history shows us that, you know, these state institutions and do not have our best interests at heart. And then coming back to these private individuals, I find it scary that somebody can have so much power and influence over literally billions of us. Uh, again, it comes back also to the UN and the World Health Organization, something I've written on for many years. They are abhorrently anti-West, anti-Semitic. Why on earth are my fellow Jews believing anything that comes from the World Health Organization or the UN on COVID? I don't get it. It's, you know, and again, we know the World Health Organization is grossly funded by the Gates Foundation. The history of the World Health Organization has a history of anti-Semitism and demonizing Israel. That is part of the influence of the Gates Foundation. Why are people not waking up and seeing this, particularly my fellow Jews who guard against anti-Semitism? Mm -hmm. it, is, it, is it is a great problem when, yeah. when such one organization or yes. one individual has such, yes. uh, such influence over everything. You've got to got to ask the question why there's always why there's a motive behind absolutely everything what yeah. what do you suspect the the gates or our different bulls motivation <laughs> megalomaniac and to be quite frank evil i mean this is evil you know when i first wrote about locked oh no this was before i wrote about lockdowns or around about the same time in 2020 I, I wrote about Bill Gates for the first time, and I noticed that him and his friend Klaus Schwab of the WEF delighted in lockdowns because, oh, it brought down carbon emissions. They loved it because, you know, it made clean air. Never mind the billions that have suffered and died because of these horrendous tools of authoritarian control, i.e. lockdown. And to me, that was the height of evil, to glorify a tool of of which is a crime against humanity because it suits their climate change goals, to me is evil. I think these are megalomaniacs. They are evil at the core and a bad, bad representation of humanity. You know, I can't explain it in any other way. Yeah, and I think I, 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 I totally agree with you. And it, it's amazing how 
once what once was a conspiracy theory yeah. is now in plain sight. Yeah. They don't they don't even try and hide it anymore no. because they they know that they cannot be challenged. They are yeah. they are yeah. literally un, untouchable because they have government, global institutions, and yeah. incredibly powerful individuals eating from the palm of their. Well, the Gates Foundation is the only non-country to have a seat at the WHO, the WHO's table. I mean, they are one of the largest funders of the World Health Organization. Why is a private uh, so-called charitable organization funding the World Health Organization to this amount of money? Why are they the only non-country to have a seat at the WHO table? This is, it's abominable and nobody cares. I mean, it's just, unbelievable to me the stench of corruption is horrendous yeah it absolutely is and it, it's i remember bill gates actually said that it's this whole vaccine thing is the best financial investment he has ever ever uh, made. yes i mean it's kind of like you know no uh, no wonder they're pushing the gates foundation like the like the pharmaceutical companies have their investments in vaccines and they sure want to return on it and they will demonize anybody who protests these abhorrent violators of the Nuremberg Code, i.e. vaccine mandates, vaccine passports. And it's just, for me, an absolute horrendous thing. In a democracy, you should be able to choose what you do for your body, not, but in a, in a tyranny, in a socialist fascist state, that choice is taken away for you. So that brings us back to the first point, we're no longer living in a democracy. Absolutely, absolutely. You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson because democracy doesn't just happen. And welcome back to 101.9 High FM. Chatting today with Karen Herodine in part two of what is a fantastic conversation revealing the truth behind democracy and global, global events. Welcome back, Karen. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anything you, you, you'd like to say in, in, in closing and let don't rest rest assured we will definitely chat again on, on, on this topic on many of your topics. Thank you. I just wanna to say to people, you know, don't be afraid to speak out. You know, open your eyes, don't be afraid to speak out and trust your instincts. If it feels wrong it is wrong. That is the only thing that I can really say. And rise up. You don't need to be living under tyranny just because these depraved lunatics in your parliament dictate it. Oh, those are fantastic words. And from Thank someone who, who knows what, what she's talking about, has had many experiences living in many cities around the world Thank and has you. written on some fantastic, fantastic, diverse, diverse topics. Karen, it's always a pleasure to chat to you. And thank you. today has been no different, as wonderful as, as usual. Um, thanks for coming in. And thank you. Thank you so much for asking me onto your show again. It's been an honor and a privilege. Thank you. <laughs> and we'll definitely <laughs> do it again. So Look forward to it. <laughs> and if you listeners had any, uh, if you have any questions, please send them through to us at uh, onair at chaifm.com. And then we can pass them on through to you, and I'm sure she'll be more than willing to, oh, to answer pleasure. it. Oh, with there pleasure. With pleasure. There you go. <laughs> <laughs>
And that's unfortunately brings us to the end of Dear Parliament for for this week. 